center field. McCormick on the move. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Makes the grab. Taz McCormick. I mean, the degree of difficulty, and it's a double or triple. But JT stays on the ball, and it looks like for a moment that's going to be trouble. Unbelievable play. I was kind of shifted over right center. He likes to hit the ball the other way, put a really good swing on it, good backspin. Honestly, I thought he hit it out. But at that point, I was, I was being really aggressive. You know, I was going to run through the wall and catch it no matter what. Uh, and earlier in the game, I, was, I, I wasn't as aggressive. Um, so I made sure to you know, get the ball as much as possible. And, uh, yeah, I kind of just saw it up in the air, and I hit, you know, had two steps, two or three steps, and the uh, fence is pretty flexible, so it didn't really hurt that much. And I just ran right into it and jumped as high as I could. Um, and uh, it was a great catch. Best feeling ever. Just laying there, looking at the Philly fans, being, <laughs> being home. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was speechless, but again, um, yeah, and just seeing, seeing my teammates excited when I got up. Um, obviously, it was a big out, and it was a big win. Yeah, <laughs> big win is uh, an understatement. It's Blair and Barker. The Houston Astros beating the Philadelphia Phillies 3-2. Game 6 tomorrow night, Saturday in Houston. Game 7 if necessary, Sunday. Kevin, a, a, I mean, a continuation, I guess, of what we've seen in this World Series. It's either somebody's taking a big lead or somebody's having to make a pitch in a tough situation. But I think one thing we saw last night, and I'm not going to hang it all on Reese Hoskins. I want to talk to you about that play at first base. But late in the game last night, Trey Mancini comes up with that that scalded shot by Kyle Schwarber. Now, yeah, it was right at him, but it was still you still had to catch it. Chaz McCormick makes that play. And the third run of the game scored for the Astros on a on a ball hit to first base. Your position, Kevin. Let's we'll we'll talk about Verlander and we'll talk about all the pitching and the the great decisions made by Dusty and the decisions not made by Rob Thompson. But I want to talk about those plays at first base to get us going. All right. So let's talk about that Reese Hoskins play. Jordan Alvarez hits the ball down the line. Hoskins is coming in. Appears to hit the heel of his glove. Altuve scores. I'm sure you've been in that situation. Talk to me about that play from your point of view. Yeah, again, it's it's uh, it's about who's hitting. It's about the, the situation of the game. It's about what the run that would score means to the outcome of the game. It's a big deal, right? Everything sort of speeds up on you. When it speeds up, you tend to take your eye off the baseball. You're more worried about saving that run, and that's exactly what happened. But, again, it's about the guy that's hit, and you play a little – you know, you're a little bit more on your toes. You're expecting that hot shot. You know, Trey Mancini, that's a prime example of a guy that – that glove's on your right hand. That helped if – if you're a left-handed mm-hmm. thrower with your glove on your right hand and you got to backhand that ball as hard as that ball was hit, that was a slider. That was a one-two pitch. That He had a little out-and-around swing, so that means when that ball hits the ground, it's going to kick a different way, which, you know, the ball's not going to be right at you. It's not so much about keeping the ball in front of you. So him being a right-handed catcher with the ball with the glove on his left hand sort of helped. Trey Mancini, and that's the right. It's about situations in the game. That's about speeding up on you. It's about making the big play when you have to make it. One team made it, and the other team didn't make it, and that's how you lose a baseball game. But for me, it was a. It was about two future Hall of Famers 
sort of not making moves when they had to, and one guy who's a Hall of Famer on the mound who, you know, certain situations, lefty at the plate who hurts you earlier in the game, he's not going to allow him to hurt him again. Make the perfect pitch. If I don't, I'm going to walk you because of who the guy standing on the on-deck circle is. It's like two outs with Harper on, you know, Harper up. You're not going to let him beat you. You try to make the perfect pitch. Now, he got away with it, 97 down the middle, but it's the fact of – you know, certain times when you don't have your best stuff, how do you maneuver around to not let the guy that's supposed to beat you beat you and force the guy that's coming up to beat you? So it was a cat and mouse kind of thing. One team made the play. One team got a hit when they supposed to or had to get it. And that's why they came away with the win. And they're going home to hopefully, if you're an Astros fan, eliminate this thing. And with with who's coming up in, in Valdez, if you're an Astros fan, man, you're excited because you're thinking you're slamming this thing shut and you're winning the World Series. Well, yeah, and then if it does go to seven, you've got Lance McCullers and Christian Javier. Basically, you're, you know you're going to see both of them. McCullers is going to start, but you know as well as I do, Kevin, that if if, if it goes pear-shaped, and, and again, McCullers is a better pitcher at home. I can't stress that enough. He is a better pitcher at home for whatever the reason, but if it does go pear-shaped, you've got Christian Javier rattling around there. Uh, oh, and by the way, you know, if you're the Houston Astros, if Framber Valdez does pitch well in Game Six, even if you lose, your bullpen's not going to be drained. So you should be you should be pretty pretty well set up. Uh, although I'm 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 kind of with you. I think if you're the Astros right now, you've really got to guard against thinking that you got a lock on this thing because you, you're right. You know you have Framber Valdez going, and you know that he has has been dominant. Uh, it's been dominant this this postseason two managers I think two key decisions we've talked about Dusty Baker and some of the decisions he has made or has not made throughout his career not just in the in the postseason but I think Rob Thompson under the microscope a bit last night Kevin leaving Noah Syndergaard in for the fourth inning now you've said you told us all just want three innings out of this guy well he's given you three innings and he's kept things under control. Now you run him out there against Jeremy Pena, and uh, what he, he, he hangs a, a 76 mile an hour curve that Pena hits out of the park. Then you go and make the pitching change. I know it's something that Pete Walker and has always talked about. Kevin, better to make a move one hitter too early than make a move one hitter too late, right? So he got greedy. He got greedy at home thinking that he his eyes were telling him that a guy could get you through the top of the order, at least the first couple of guys, and give you a fourth inning to where you could set your highest leverage guys up for the fifth inning on. He he went to the well one too many times, and it cost him. Did it cost him a, a game and maybe the World Series? Probably. Like, this is the it's just the moves that you don't make, and you make it one batter or one inning too late tends to Mm -hmm. lose you a baseball game, especially against a good team who can do things at the top of the order. Yeah, You know, give Dusty credit. I I was the one guy, and a lot of people were, Jeremy Pena, why is he hitting second? Why why isn't Jordan Alvarez moving up and hitting second? Well, give Dusty credit. He he didn't move him anywhere. He left him there because he knows the athlete. He is a freak when it comes to the physique and just the athleticism and the quick hands that he has. The quick hands that he has, you know, can make up for some 
some woes that he has with his lower half. Sometimes he gets off balance and he's out in front of some breaking balls, but he has such quick hands and enough bat speed that he can stay through it and hit mistakes, and that's what happens. And give Dusty credit for not moving him around in the batting order and maybe moving a guy up when you probably shouldn't be moving people around. But, yeah, I'm with you. This is this is sort of what comes with the territory when you're a manager at the, the biggest games of the season. It's the move that you didn't make soon enough. And I'm sure if you, you know, I heard what Rob Thompson said after the game that he was just trying to get one more hitter out of Noah Syndergaard. Why? Like I just don't understand yeah. that. Like, uh, like you I, got three, you got surprising. three innings out of him. You got three innings out of him. He ain't pitched in twelve days. I mean, you're fortunate, right? The way it started, uh, the the way you were giving up some hard hit baseballs. Jeremy Payne had already gotten a hit off him. Like he, you know, you got that RBI single off him up the middle. Why push your luck? Like, I, why get greedy? I mean, you got that bullpen who's healthy, who's uh, you know, raring and ready to go. They're confident down there. Go to them. When in doubt, don't overthink it. Go to them and uh, cost them a game. And and now they're up against it. And now they got to get you know, Wheeler's got to show up. The ninety-five from Wheeler can't happen. The six full days of rest, he got to show up. And you got to see the consistent ninety-eights with the with the devastating breaking ball. If you see that, the field's got a chance. If you see the ninety-fives. Series is going to be over, and now we're going to be looking back at this. Why did Noah Syndergaard pitch the fourth inning? It was interesting, too. I thought that from Justin Verlander's point of view, a couple of things. One, he admits that after the walk to Bryce Harper, he was wondering whether Dusty would come and get him. Uh, But the other thing, too, uh, there's a mound visit very early in the game, and from that point on, it seems, with the exception of Harper, I think Harper saw 17 fastballs from Verlander. But it seems, Kevin, after that mound visit, Verlander started using his slider a little more. It seemed to, I, I, I mean, Dusty Dusty said after the game he thought it might have, he didn't use the phrase settled them down, but it might have got him into a little more of a rhythm, maybe gave, him, gave the Phillies hitters a little something else to think about. But... It, it, it's funny because I'm sitting here hearing you talk about Dusty, and one of the hang-ups with Dusty has been Dusty will give his veterans a lot of rope. He won't give his rookies a lot of rope. Well, here, as you said, he's kept the faith with Jeremy Pena. And mm-hmm. at the same time, though, he did. He let Justin Verlander work out of that. At the same time, though, at the same time as we said that, you pointed out we were texting each other. He had Ryan Stanek up early in the game as well. So it wasn't like Dusty sat there and said, I'm going to let Justin go five innings regardless. Which, Kev, I don't know. Eight years ago, Dusty might not have done that. Yeah, again, this gets back to uh, uh, Verlander would have had to given up a big hit for him to go get him that early in a game. That's the difference is a rookie out there, you're probably going to get him in the second inning and bring an instanic. You're you're waiting until Verlander gives up a big hit before you go get him. That That's the difference. And is that right or wrong? I don't know. You can be the judge of that. I, I just think he, he threw 28 sliders. He had seven swing and misses on the sliders. He got five called strikes on the slider. That seemed to help his tempo. That's a big deal with his tempo. For whatever reason, a first ballot Hall of Famer seemed like a, he was just in such a big hurry to release the baseball. I mm-hmm. I don't know. You can you have to have, have, ask him about that. I know he's knowing what his record is and how bad he's been in a World Series and how this game means to the to the Astros. They can take the lead going home. You got like your chances. I, look, I, I just think it helped his lane glove side. You know, he wanted to go into he wanted to go in and up to the lefties. 
He wanted to go away to righties. That means his, his lanes had to be really good to glove side. His tempo had to be better. His, rele- his release point had to be great. Seemed like the slider just helped with all of those things mm. to fit it in line. His, his uh, landing was a lot better because he th- started locating. He was throwing harder. Velocity on the four-seamer went up. Velocity on the slider went up. That would mean it tunneled longer. It had later break. He could control it better. All of those things, he threw two bullpens between starts, which he never does. So you right. can tell the urgency between the years was there. Like, I got to do something different. What I've been doing in the World Series ain't working. And it just seems like after the second inning when he walked Schwarber, that for me was on purpose. I'm going to give you my best breaking ball. If you don't swing at it, you can go to first base with two outs, and I'd rather pitch to the guy on deck, which is right-hander and Reese Hoskins, which I think I can get out. If you don't hang one, you got a pretty good chance of getting him out. He made some good pitches to him. He got out of that inning, and it was sort of roll time. Right now, you can get in a groove with the sliders. You can elevate the four-seamer, which is what you want to do. You're trying to do the comeback two-seamer to lefties. It just seemed like everything sort of fell in place because he knew how to maneuver around certain guys that could hurt him, and that's why he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's why they won the game in my mind. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, hearing, hearing, hearing you talk about that with the slider because one of the things Pedro Martinez used to talk about when he was early in his career was – Every now and then when he felt that he was a little out of things mechanically, he would deliberately throw his curve. He'd throw his curve a couple of times just because he thought that it it got him back, right? It just kind of got him back in form, closer to what uh closer to what he wanted to be. And I think I think every pitcher in some ways has that pitch, don't they, Kev? They they've got that pitch that that it's it's almost like you have it in your hip pocket and it's and it's almost a means of self-correcting. And I I think the really good pitchers do have that. Yeah, it's like Bo Bichette's two-strike approach. It's sort of right. just exactly. when, when, when he went back to it, his season took off. He started getting more hits. He would help his baseball team. Yeah, it, it's. I, I think you have to stay behind a curveball to get it to go where you want it, want it to go so much that it just sort of slows you down, mm-hmm. just, you know, gets you in your delivery, keeps you over the rubber. You know, you're not off balance. You're landing where you're supposed to be landing. You're getting the ball out in front. You're releasing it where you want to release it. You have a visual of if I started here, it's going to end up here. The velocity will come out right. And now, because I got the feel of that and the mechanics of that, now if I throw a fastball, it just seems like that sort of falls in place and I don't have to think about it. You know, again, you think long, you think wrong. And and future Hall of Famers are no different. You know, the lights are the brightest and everybody's yelling and screaming at you and booing at you, telling you you suck. And, you know, it's just so many things going on there that it's just easier, I think, if you slow it down and you get that one pitch. And that's a great point by you. And it's just funny to see a Hall of Famer grind mm. it out the way he did and actually you can see, you you could live the conversation with him. He's calling Malinato out there, just you could hear it, you could feel it, you could see it, like you could feel the conversation of something ain't working, now I gotta go to something else and I don't wanna let this dude beat us so if I don't, I'm gonna flip this and flip it. You even see the Schwarber uh, curveball that he threw, he actually shook his head like yeah, I'm okay with that because of who's yeah. coming up next. It's just sort of like it's, it's kind of cool to watch that and that back and forth and actually a really guy really good guy figuring it out on the mound when the when it mattered the most now we know of course that dusty baker's going after his first uh world series ring as a manager um we also know that justin verlander finally has his first world series win after 516 starts think about that he's got what 17 postseason wins it's his first world series win uh, on on his resume, anyhow, Dusty had a comment after the game about kind of 
trying to sum up the contributions made by you know, Trey Mancini, who's been awful at the plate, pressed into service because Yuli Gurriel either sustained a bit of a concussion or a neck injury or hurt his knee on a rundown. So Trey Mancini's put in at first base. He makes a great play. Chaz McCormack, you know, a, a play at the wall. We, we we led the show with that play. He doesn't make that catch. It's not out of the park, but he doesn't make that catch. And who knows? You could end up with a double. You could end up with with a guy in third. Completely changes the complexion of that inning, obviously. And Ryan Presley comes out and has his first five-out save of the year. But Dusty talked about still needing to kind of stay in the moment. And Justin Verlander was asked about that after the game yesterday, and I thought he kind of he kind of summed up in a lot of ways the final, I would say the final two innings of that game. And Lance, if you could play the clip from, from Justin Verlander. You talked to us about maybe a little perspective of living in the moment and kind of enjoying what's going on around you. Given that, how happy are you for guys like Chaz making an unbelievable play and Trey Mancini, who has wanted so badly to help this team yeah. do great stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, Chaz, um, you know, is, is, is a great ball player. He, you know, he gives it his all every single play, every single at bat, you know, uh, uh, sometimes goes over the top with his emotions because he cares so much. So to see him be able to come up with that play and to see him after the game just sitting out there on the field and kind of kneeling, I mean, from from Philadelphia area, you know, and just like him taking in the moment, it's just so incredible. And then Trey, um, you know, what a, what a, can't say enough about what, what, what he's done. Um, you know, obviously – he would like to contribute more offensively, and uh, you know, after the game, we, you know, we always, we always give credit to to the people that helped us help contribute to to each and every win. And Trey tonight was uh, a big contributor to that. And he said it himself. He said he's not necessarily always known for his defensive play, but mm-hmm. to come through with that play tonight. I mean, as Schwarber hit that. I mean, every it seems like every ball hits, he hits and plays is 110 miles an hour plus. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for for Trey to to make that play and um, you know Trey and Chaz both just huge contributors to tonight. Um, bullpen, Ryan Presley. Uh, I mean, it, it just is so symbolic for me that my first win um, in the World Series is just such a great team win. You know, there's so many people that go into all these wins in my career. Um, you know, uh, countless individuals that I've played with that have made great plays in certain situations that get, certain, that get overlooked. Um, and, and, you know, to have it happen on the biggest stage tonight, you know, uh, was pretty special. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I really love that clip from from Justin Verlander, Kevin, because you can tell how much that meant to him, and it it really kind of sums up, you know, one of the things you you see in the World Series. Like Trey Mancini may he may never get another postseason hit in his career. Hell, he may not not make it back the postseason. We don't know, but he's got that memory. He he's got that play, and that's a play that's going to be, uh, you know, that's that's going to be replayed a lot. I mean, we talked about a guy like. Jeff Blum's got a statue, for God's sake, because of a, of a hit that he got when he was with the the Chicago White Sox. That, to me, is the thing about the World Series that is just that the remarkable thing about it is how one play made by one player, it can be the only contribution you make in the series, but it can be important. 
That, to me, is a sign of a, a good World Series, Kevin, is when it's done and you can look back and go, man, game one, this happened. Game two, this happened. Remember that play Mancini made? Remember that play McCormick made? That, to me, is a sign of a good World Series when you have those moments. Yeah, all you people that don't think that wins matters starting pitchers, listen to Jer- Justin Verlander talk, how, how much it matters to him and how much – Yeah, but that's, know, not a Wednesday, that's not a Wednesday night win against the Texas Rangers. Well, who cares? Okay. That, that's a World Series. Uh, like, I, let's go. Like, like it's like the RBI. You know, the, the Astros are one for uh, one for 11 yesterday with with runners in scoring positions still won a baseball game. The, the first thing out of everybody that's talked about the Phillies is they were one for seven. Or even Rob Thompson said it after the game. Couldn't get the big hit. Yeah, it matters. RBI's matter wins matter to starting pitchers i get it's the world series but for me wins will always matter i yeah it, it, you know this time of the year you need certain guys stepping up and doing special things it's like the mccormick thing i, I just mentioned that trey mancini wears his glove on his left mm-hmm. hand was a big deal because a guy hitting a slider out and around ball moves a little differently it's an easier play for a guy wearing his glove on his left hand you're mccormick because he catches the ball because he's left-handed because when he jumps and can feel the fence with his non-glove hand, which is his left hand, made it an easier play for him. Like the timing and just when he started his jump because he's done his homework and knows that it's two and a half steps, three steps when you touch the warning track. When do you start your jump? And because he wears his glove on his right hand, made that an easier play, at least for me. It's just the little things in a baseball game that you're noticing that it's just sort of things add up because athleticism and you putting, again, this is an organization putting the right guy in the right spots at the right times to make special plays when the plays matter the most and this is sort of what great teams do and I think if they win Saturday night I guess you could start talking about this team being a great team and a great organization I know everybody that's hard to say because of the banging and that'll never go away but man can you argue what they're doing as an organization I don't think you can who do you think has a leg up in the MVP award right now well, I would I would say if Framber Valdez has an elite start on Saturday, it's him. If it's not, if he has an okay outing and they win, and Jeremy Pena does something, I would think it'd be Jeremy Pena. Now you flip it over to the Philly side, I have no idea. Like the the Philly, I think you could flip a, a three or four names. Kyle Schwarber could be one of those guys. Harper could be one of those guys because of the big home runs. Reese Hoskins you could throw in there. I think it would depend on who's getting the big hits mm-hmm. the next two games. So I don't think the MVP is solidified on the Philly side. But it's two guys for me when it comes to the Astros, either Pena or Valdez. What have the Phillies done to Bryce Harper? I'm sorry, what have the Phillies done? Maybe it's the Phillies that did it. What have the Astros done to Bryce Harper? Well, the elevated fastball, that seems to be a theme. You know, he destroys bad breaking balls. We've seen that. Like, he abs- it's the it's the Lance McCullers spinning it in there. Oh, oh, I think they'd had enough of that. Stop seeing that. Stop throwing it to him. He's looking for him. He can create backspin. And i got to be honest with you, pinch hitting four times is not the easiest thing to do. And now I think the Astros have understood that. Like, sitting over there forever, there's only so many times you can go down there and take balls off a of tee. Or, I tried that before. It's not the easiest thing to do. You're mentally just not in games. You're overthinking it a lot of time it festers because you have a bad at bad how do you eliminate that because it's a world series and everybody expecting you hit a home run every time i think the astros made the adjustment and said if you're going to beat us it's going to be on some hard stuff and it's going to be elevated i think that's what you do in a series is you have to make adjustments and i like sort of what verlander did I'm going to try and make the perfect pitch. If I don't, I'll walk you off. I'll live to fight another day with the guy on the on-deck circle. I'd rather piss to Castellano 
with, with the game on the line than I would Harper. So I think there's a little, a couple of things there. Make the perfect pitch elevated with some hard stuff. If I walk you, I walk you, and I'll pitch to Castellano. If he beats us, I'll tip my hat, and I'll say the the right guy at the right time beat us, and, and you can sort of move on from that. But, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good team. It's a really good pitching staff. It's it's a doing their homework and understanding enough of the breaking balls, enough of the back leg cities and creating backspin. Force him to get the head out. Force him to beat us to the spot. We don't think you can do that on some elevated hard stuff. If you can, we'll help you run around the bases. So if Yuli Gurriel can't go, and Yuli Gurriel finally struck out last night, by the way. Uh, if Yuli Gurriel can't go, how does Dusty play this? Now, Trey Mancini got, will play first. You got Mancini at first. We talked about lengthening the the batting order a bit, and, and at the, the bottom of the lineup is still not very productive. For the Astros, but I guess you can get you can get by with that at this point, can't you? Yeah, because I, it was funny. I, people were talking about that after Game One of the World Series, <clears throat> and I started thinking to myself: once you get into the fifth game of the World Series or the sixth game of the World Series, it's generally it's your horses that are going to carry you, right? It's almost like if I've got Pena, if I've got Bregman, if I've got Altuve. And, and Tucker, I'm okay. Maybe play, maybe realizing I can go with defense in other positions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's. More I, about I don't know it. if you. I don't know if you feel that way, but I, I kind of do. Once you get to this stage of the World Series, give me my best defenders out there, and give me my my boppers. That, yeah, I, I've th- got to find a balance. I think it's more about Altuve was starting to look like the Altuve that everybody loved with the Astros, and you wanted to get some dudes on base, so he was not always mm-hmm. coming up with nobody on and two outs or leading off a baseball game. So it was how do you get traffic on in front of him? You like your chances if he's hot, Pena's hot, Alvarez. They're pitching. Around him, they don't want to give him anything. He's having trouble with the elevated fastball. He's another one of those guys that don't seem to like the elevated heater and has trouble laying off of it. You know, Bregman's doing some Bregman things. Tucker has lost whatever Tucker's magic was for the last couple of games. It could be just some really good pitching and some, you know, trying too hard and those kind of things. But I think it was more about get some traffic on for Altuve, and I'm with you. You know, I think Dusty's thinking right now their pitching is so good, if they can score three or four runs, they're going to win most of those games. Yeah. So you, you don't need a complete lineup to do it. It's a have a big inning. And, if I, you know, I'll take my chances with all the starting pitching that I have. And, I mean, if you're Dusty Baker, can you really screw up a Valdez start? Like, I I mean, you, you pick your best two or three bullpen arms, which is exactly what he has, and abuse them. Like Valdez, you got to figure is going to give you five plus. He's going to give you some a real good chance to win a baseball game, and it's just no brainers after that. It's not like you're trying to match up. There's no lefties down there that matter. Oh, Will Smith, no. I, what? You're going to go to your power with some split, with some change. You're going to go to them because of the names on the back of their jerseys, and you trust them. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's just about when you were talking, it's because Altuve looked like he turned the corner, and that's why you were wanting traffic. But I'm with you. It's it's keep him from scoring. Hopefully have a big inning. Don't beat yourself. Don't run into outs. And you have the next two games at home. You like your chances. Jamie Moyer is a former major league pitcher. Uh, he's been a TV analyst for a couple of teams as well. He's been around the block, you might be able to say, 25 seasons. Phillies, Mariners, Cubs, Orioles, etc., etc., etc. There is nothing he hasn't seen. 
including a World Series. He was part of the 2008 World Series champion Philadelphia Phillies. Jamie Moyer joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just to clarify, because you were talking before the game about Justin's legacy a little bit, was there any part of your heart that said, boy, I really hope this guy can get through five innings because I want him to get that win? Yeah, this is in my heart. <laughs> Did that factor in your decision? Uh, not really, but I mean, it was it was on my mind. Dusty Baker talking about Justin Verlander and his legacy, and that's kind of vintage, Dusty, isn't it? Isn't it, Kevin? That that sums up that sums up Dusty Baker pretty pretty well. Absolutely, I can just remember whenever he sent me down, and when I was a red, he looked right at me. I, I was nobody, Jeff. I mean, I say that with all due respect to myself he didn't have to call me in an office and, and explain to me why he was sitting sending me down and he actually said i don't want to do this because you don't deserve to go down but you'll be back soon and whenever i hear him talk like that he means it like he's just not saying that to hear himself talk and and want people to write good things about him that's dusty and that's why everybody's rooting for him i know if you're a phillies fan and you want the phillies to win and i'm sure that's a great thing but man I just don't know a lot of the times. I know we, we like to pick at Dusty because he doesn't always make the right move. But just listen to him talk and the way he treats his players and the way he acts around his players. I mean, second to none. It's impossible not to root for when it comes to situations like that and listening to him talk about his players. It's awesome. Well, you spent 25 years in the major leagues like our, our next guest, 25, 26 years in the major leagues like our next guest. And, uh, and, and boy, you rack up the memories, <laughs> you rack up the statistics. And in the case of Jamie Moyer, you also get a World Series ring with the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. So I would think Jamie Moyer, probably maybe more than a lot of people, would understand what went through Justin Verlander's mind last night and what Justin Verlander is thinking about today after his first World Series win. His 517th, I believe, career start. Let's bring in Jamie Moyer, longtime Major League pitcher. Jamie, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We we trust that you're doing well. What did that morning, mean, Jeff do you think? Kevin. How are you? We're doing well, man. What did you think that, that win meant? to? We'll talk about the World Series in a minute. But personally for Justin Verlander, what does that mean to a guy? Well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he wants to feel like he is contributing to his team. And, you know, win or lose, you're contributing. As, from a pitching perspective, you're, you, yeah, a starting pitcher needs to eat up innings. Uh, hopefully they're quality innings, and you know, I guess the, you know over the course of you know his history, maybe the quality of those innings wasn't uh, Justin Verlander type innings, uh, but you're dealing with a different part of the season. You're dealing with the postseason, and things are as you've heard many players speak. I'm sure in many of your interviews, um, you know the postseason's a little different than the regular season, and and, and that is true. So. Um, you know, I, I think Justin is probably feeling a sense of relief today. Um, if he's stiff and sore, it's a good stiff and sore. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he's he's probably going to be ready for game. He's going to walk in Dusty's office and say, I can give you a couple innings if it goes to game seven or maybe even six. 
Okay, if you're if you're Rob Thompson and Zach Wheeler's throwing and you know he's had arm fatigue and you're giving him a couple of extra days, think he's got six full days of rest, that's a lot of days. I, you know, and you don't want to let this thing happen before it actually happens. What I mean by that is you don't want to let the, the bad moment happen before you can actually go out and make a move. What would tell you with a guy that has arm fatigue, Jamie, is there is there a certain thing? Is it the break on the breaking ball? Is it his body language? Is it just, you know, it's normally 98? and it's 95 like you want to get him before it something bad happens so when is that point do you can you tell that yeah you know i i don't know that you can exactly tell that but you know if you, if you know that you know that particular guy is dealing with arm fatigue um you know obviously you're going to monitor it you surely don't want to put his uh, career in jeopardy um so you know, you know he, I, mean, he, I guarantee he's going to pitch tomorrow night. Um, but, you know, you want to keep a close eye on it. But the other thing is, too, I think you have to measure, uh, you have to start to consider, well, golly, if this guy's only giving me two or three innings, I'm going to be in my bullpen really deep. And now it turns into a bullpen game, which you've already heard if you've been watching these games, these guys talking on TV the more views or opportunities these opposing Houston hitters get off the Phillies bullpen or vice versa, the more comfortable they become facing them. So, you know, it's, it's, that's a tough call right there for Rob Thompson. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I have an answer because I don't know that they have another starting pitcher that they could rely on available. So, you know, I, I do believe they're going to have to, Roll with the punches and uh, piecemeal it together and see how it all works out. Jamie, you're the perfect guy to ask about the mental part of the World Series. I've never played in one. I can't answer to that. But I would think this uh-huh. this part of the series when the body's hurting, I, I sort of relate this to, to – uh, to, to, uh, to just to whenever you watch these certain guys, like JT Riamuto, looks to me like he's caught so much that it's affecting the offensive side of the ball. Like he just doesn't look like he's in his legs. He's so worried about yeah. getting pitchers through certain things. Take me through what it takes this time of the year when it comes to the mental side of baseball. Well, you know, again, you, you got to fight your way through things. And, uh, you know, it is a long season. Again, you've heard them talk on TV. He's got 200 plus more innings than any other catcher uh, in Major League Baseball this year. And, you know, he's in – a lot of these guys are in unchartered territory. Um, You know, going this deep into a postseason, uh, pitching the innings they pitched, playing the innings they've played, playing the games they've played. Look, if you really think about it, including spring training, these guys have played 200 games. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot of baseball. Yep. So, yeah, as a player, you're going, I'm going to fight my way through it. I'm going to grind my way through it, and I'm going to do it the best that I can. And that's that's why it takes, you know, a full roster, you know, to, to get through these types of uh, series. So, you know, JT, you know, as much of a, uh, a battler he is, a team guy, grinder, call it what you want, uh, he's had a fabulous year. He's a fabulous player, and I'm sure he's a fabulous human being. So, you know, they have probably nowhere else to go or don't have confidence in anybody else. And, you know, they're going to ride him as long as they can ride him. Now, Jamie, as I mentioned, 2008, you guys, Philadelphia Phillies beat Tampa Bay. That was that World Series that 
had some weather issues, shall we say. But you you won the World Series in five games. You pitched game three. Phillies won that game 5-4. Does the mood on a team change when you know you can clinch that night? Oh, there's, you know, I think there's far more urgency. But, uh, there's a lot of anxiety that goes with that as well. And, uh, you know, again, I think as a manager, and, you know, and I, I haven't seen Dusty as much uh, talk on TV this year in, in the playoffs as I have seen Rob Thompson. And Rob seems to be very calm, very consistent with what he does and with what he says. Uh, he doesn't uh, show a sense of urgency. And I don't sense that Dusty would be that way either. Uh, I played against Dusty a long time ago. No Dusty a little bit. Um, you know, Dusty's Dusty. You know, and it's all about, and I think both of these managers, it's all about playing the game of baseball and bringing your best, you know, step, step forward with your best foot. And, you know, we'll deal with whatever you're bringing tonight. And if you can't do it, we'll pass the baton. So, but yeah, there, you know, you get to that. And not only is it that, you know, you could clinch, but you get into the game, you got to lead. Boy, that anxiety goes through the roof. I can remember back to uh, the, the top of the ninth inning in 08 with Brad Lidge pitching and sitting in the dugout, the anxiety, the excitement, not only in the ballpark, but on the bench. And I can only imagine what it was like being on the field. Uh, and obviously when that third out's made, you know, it's exhilaration, it's excitement, it's joy, it's happiness by, you know, every fan who's cheering for their team. So, uh, and, you know, ultimately you're reaching a goal or, or a pinnacle that we've all dreamed about, right? It's Jamie, is, times. absolutely. Jamie, is, whenever you watch Framber Valdez, because he, he's left-handed, this is why I wanted to ask you this, and he relies mm-hmm. on a ton of movement with some power. Is there is there mm-hmm. one thing when you're whenever you're watching him that would tell you, well, that's why he can do those things, make it move like that with so much velocity? Uh, you know, I I've never I've not never even seen the, this gentleman uh, in person. I'm sure he's got some size and some thickness and some strength to him. Um, you know, he humps it up there pretty good. Mm-hmm. But that hook, that hook that he throws in there, and the command that he has of his not only. Uh, his curveball, but the command, you know, what he can do with it down and in, uh, he can throw, you know, almost make it uh, break straight down. He can backdoor it. Uh, he can probably change speeds on it. So that's, that curveball is, is, in my mind, is more than just one pitch hmm. and becomes a huge weapon. And then his ability to pitch inside with the velocity that he has, I think that even makes it. Uh, him more of a difficult opponent to face, you know. And I sit and I watch. And I watch a lot of baseball during the course of the year, college and professional baseball. And the lack of pitching inside that I see is astounding. Um, and pitchers just aren't taught, or it's not explained, uh, or they're afraid. I'm not sure what it is, but pitching inside off the plate. And I'm not saying to hit people, but having, you know, pitching off the plate for a, with a purpose and also for strikes uh, is, is a huge equalizer. You know, the way we were always taught 
was you want the pitcher owns both sides of the plate and the hitter owns the middle. And Kevin, I'm sure you could attest to that. You probably heard that many times. Yep. Right. And, and as a hitter, you're going, uh-uh, I want the outer part or I want the inner <laughs> part too. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, but from a pitcher's person, you know, we were always taught, Hey, if you can make your pitches away, if you can make your pitches in off the plate, you know, to push a guy back off the plate. And if a guy's willing to chase the ball off the plate, you can extend the plate. Uh, but boy, when you make that mistake in the middle, you know what, whether you want to or not, you got to tip your hat to that hitter. But yeah, for Ember, I, I, he's fun to watch. And I wish I get to, could watch him a little bit more during the course of the season. Obviously, we, I don't get a whole lot of Houston's games. But I'll tell you what, he's been very consistent for Houston. Um, you know, I know uh, Justin's had an outstanding, you know, Cy Young type of year. But for Ember, golly, I think he has been just as important to this ball club. I mean, they've got a ton of young, powerful pitchers. Jamie, we're going to let you scoot. Really appreciate you doing this, my friend. Thanks so much. Be well. stuff. No Thank you so much. for having me on. All right. Take, take care. care. Hey. Jamie Moyer. I covered that game. Jamie Moore, the, the uh, Game 3 of the 2008 World Series. I remember that. And uh, J.C. Romero was the guy that got the win for the Phillies. It was an, it was an interesting series, Phillies and Tampa Bay. Uh, and, I, and I just remember the first time I had any player tell me about, I'm not going to say who it is to protect the player, but the, that the importance of celebrating. And I was talking to the player before the last game. And I so, said, so... Let's just assume you guys win. Do you have any idea what that's going to feel like? And the guy said, well, the first thing I'm doing is taking my jacket off. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to make sure I got my jersey on. When I'm running out in the field celebrating, I want the name out there in the pictures. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy wearing a jacket. Ever since I've heard that, ever since I've heard that, Kevin, I pay attention when a big game is over, and I wonder, okay, there's a guy, there's a guy who's worn his, his, his jacket in the dugout all game. Do you think maybe Dusty gets rid of that, that top? So when they go out in the mound, when they go out to celebrate, you got Baker, you get to see the name. Yeah, what do I you guys think about the way the way I know Dusty. I would have said I, I would think he'll probably be the last one on the field. Like he he will let this. It's all about his players. Yep, the, the, they're going to get actually. All, he's talked about that. You'll see Dusty question. game over. First mm-hmm. thing he does. First thing Dusty does is he finishes the scorecard because Dusty scores his games. Mm. Like he keeps his own scorecard. So he'll finish. He'll put that last out down. You'll see him bump fist with his coaches, bumps fist with the training staff. He's the last guy out of the dugout. He's, as a matter of fact, it was funny yesterday because when he came out of the dugout after the game, he got a tap in the bum from uh, one of the umpires, the outfield umpires who was running off field. Because Dusty doesn't – you're right. Dusty, Dusty likes to stay in the background a little bit. This is all – if they win, though, this is all going to be about Dusty. Like this is, I, it, it's all going to be about Dusty, which is fine. It's cool. But he's it's earned it. It's all going to be about him. Oh, he's earned yeah. it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. he's earned it. Yeah. So that was interesting hearing Jamie Moore talk about Framber Valdez. And, and you mentioned that a little earlier about some guys have a curve, but he can do stuff. He can manipulate. He can do stuff with the curve. And I think maybe that's what people talk about you, Darvish, right? How you, Darvish, has like 15 pitches. Well, he doesn't throw 15 different pitches. He throws five pitches... But four of them, he can throw three different ways, right? 
Yeah, I think it's the curveball he changes speeds with. He can he can steal a strike with it. He's got an eliminator. Uh, he's got a little something for everybody. If he needs to elevate one, that's a breaking ball. He can do that. For for me, it's the velocity. He throws hard enough that you have to cheat to get the head out in front. He's got a bowling ball with the sinker that he throws. Uh, he can locate it to both sides of the plate. And then he's got the breaking ball that you have to respect because he can throw it for a strike. Jamie was right. If you couldn't throw it for a strike, you could eliminate it. You don't even think about it. Then it would not make that sinker as good. But since you mm-hmm. can throw it for a strike and you got to respect it and you can do it in any count, now you got multiple weapons with one certain pitch. He's, he's going to be real tough. These are as bad a no-brainer as you can get for Dusty Baker going into game six. So what are you going to do if, if you're the Phillies? Uh, let, pick Philly's left. Let's say you're Kyle Schwarber. Let's say you're Bryce Harper. You're a left-handed hitter. You were a left-handed hitter. How are you approaching Fromber Valdez? I don't think you can change anything. I mean, you want to see him up because of the sinker. Uh, I don't think you can guess off of him. I mean, I, how would you guess breaking ball? It's so hard to hit. I think you got to look right down the middle. You got to look a little elevated, a little bit higher than normal. Uh, you got to be okay hitting with two strikes. I mean, if he throws you two perfect pitches, it's 0 2. You're going to have to deal with that. But I think you got to buy into You got to see it up. You got to see something hard. And then with two strikes, you got to battle. If you can do that, you can get a consistent approach one through nine with that. Hopefully, you know you've seen him five innings instead of seven innings. You take your chances with the bullpen late in the game. Uh, we've uh, admittedly kind of neglected Barker's back leg bits a little bit because we had so many good guests and we had so much to talk about. It's tough to cram it in for an hour. But uh, we've got a couple we'll get to today. And a reminder that uh, Barker and myself will be doing our daily show two more times. We'll do it Monday where we'll wrap up the World Series, put a bow on it, and then Tuesday where we'll look ahead to the off season. From that point on, we will be available weekly via podcast. We might take a week off here and there for holidays, but we'll be available weekly via podcast. We've also got, eh, there's talk of maybe a little something else on the horizon, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see when that, we'll wait and see when that rolls around. But that's our schedule coming up. So we've got a couple of days left. Barker's back leg bits. Chris asked the question, about stealing bases and 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 the question is this chris doesn't understand why a player stealing a base turns to see the play you know, they say that that can take off a second or so and make the difference in being safe in some cases and it drives it drives chris crazy and 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 chris wants to know essentially when you're stealing a base cap what are you what are you thinking of like are you should you look at the base directly should you be looking at checking at home plate? How do you go about, I like this question, how do you go about stealing a base? What, what, what's the proper way to steal a base? Well, if you're Dave Roberts and you're brought in with the Red Sox and everybody knows you're trying to steal a base, then you're just trying to look at second base and you're trying to steal the back because everybody knows you're, you're doing it. That's why you came in to pinch run. Hey, I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about the Pena early in the game yes. with Alvarez yes. up. Yes. With, with the defense in the shift and, Correct. you know, if you're Dusty Baker because of the count, because of what the scoreboard tells you, because of who's up, because of where the defense is at, and you're the base runner, it's more of a throw and run other than a run and throw. And what I mean by that is you're not trying to get a great jump, jump off the pitcher. You're trying to put pressure on the defense because you think the hitter's going to put the ball in play. That's the whole point here is it's, it's the count, which is I think it was two strikes. Obviously it was. With two strikes, you're trying to 
put pressure on the defense. You're not so much trying to steal the base than you're trying to, at, ver- at the very least, get a runner in scoring position because you know the guy that's putting the ball in play is a slow runner. So if a ball hit right at the defender, that's an easy double play. So you're trying to stay out of the double play. You're trying to get a runner in scoring position because you think the dude at the plate could put the ball in play. So it's all about the runner, the situation, the scoreboard, the outs, where you're at in the game. I always say this, and I'll continue to say it. The manager will manage to what the scoreboard is telling you. Mm. And Dusty was putting the runner in motion because of who was at the plate, how many outs, and the runner was doing it right. Make sure the dude delivers the ball before you go. It didn't have anything to do with Jeremy Pena looking in at the runner or the hitter to see if the ball was put in play. That, for me, should never. I mean, he's athletic enough. He runs fast enough that him peeking in a half a second's not going to slow him down enough to get thrown out at second base. Busy night in the base pass last night. That rundown with Yuli Gurriel, where Yuli Gurriel twists his knee. Anything could have could have been done differently there? No, they did exactly right. You, If you're JT Riamuto, you run it back as hard as you can. You show the ball. You set the lane. You get outside the runner. You get in fair territory. That way you stay out of the runner's position because you're a right-handed thrower. It gives your defender, the guy that's accepting the baseball, an easier target. Here I am. Don't pump fake. Come and get the ball. They did it exactly right. And Yuli, in that situation? Just stay in it long enough that you can hopefully somebody screws it up and you can score or get back to third. Good stuff. Game six of the World Series goes Saturday. Game seven, if necessary, goes Sunday. We'll be back to wrap it up. Whatever happens on Monday from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, a reminder, if you're listening to us by podcast, please rate and review. Five stars are always nice. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the baseball.